0: episode 485 painkillers drinking and saving your life with dr michael presti the awaken your alpha podcast tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you i'm adam lewis walker host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book awaken your alpha tales and tactics to thrive and it is my mission to share you the real stories the useful stuff the juicy stuff and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my bag. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it'd be like to do a TEDx talk, you can get this completely free 45 minute training masterclass on how to land your TEDx talk in 90 days or less without wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there, talkaccelerator.com Forward slash masterclass. That's talk x c e l e r a t o com. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk, amplify your message, and amplify your mission. All links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes at ayalpha.com. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. We're going to be talking about opioids and specifically opioid overdoses and the epidemic that's really been going through America specifically but I'm sure it's everywhere and we're going to find out more because we've got an expert on the line we've got Dr. Michael Presty. he's a, a Mayo Clinic trained neurologist of, and the CEO of Safex Pharmaceuticals and that is a company that's focused on creating safer communities by reducing the risk of prescription opioid overdose And again, he's going to tell us exactly his approach to that and what he's got. He's got something special up his sleeve and doing some cool things. But firstly, Michael, are you ready to awaken your alpha today?
1: Absolutely. My alpha never sleeps, Adam.
0: Yeah, every day, waking (laughs) it up. Good stuff. So that was quite a brief introduction. You're really doing some important work. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about?
1: Yeah, so, you know, SafeRx, in a nutshell, uh, we're developing a, a patented platform of products that address a, a major but previously unaddressed dimension of the opioid crisis, um, specifically the combination of opioids with alcohol. So, you know, when, when those two, yeah, you know, I don't know if you've ever filled a, an opioid prescription yourself, but you know, basically, if you get an opioid prescribed from your doctor, Across the board, the first warning you're going to get is: Listen, do not drink with this. It's really dangerous if you do so. Yeah, they usually get that from the the prescribing physician. They'll get it from the dispensing pharmacist, and another little counseling session. They even get it, you know, right from the bottle that they're taking the pill out of. Right, it's, it's stamped there in all capital letters, a bright yellow sticker: Do not drink alcohol with this medication. The reason that you get that so much of of those warnings is because the hazard, the risk of an overdose is just monumentally increased if both of those substances are in your system at the same time. So alcohol by itself doesn't have any reliable suppression of the ventilatory drive. So your breathing usually is not affected just from drinking. Opioids, we know, can cause what's what's called opioid-induced respiratory depression, and, and that's across the board. They'll produce a certain degree of, uh, you know, where your brain doesn't have as much of an intense drive to breathe, right? And that's the underlying mechanism of death in a lot of opioid overdoses. You know, if you're injecting heroin or illegal fentanyl, that's basically, you know, how those tragedies occur. The body falls asleep, forgets how to breathe, never wakes up. Uh, Those that risk is just exponentially increased when alcohol is in the system because of what's known as a synergistic reaction. Basically, you know, instead of like a 10 plus 10 equals 20 type of an effect, it's more of like a 10 times 10 equals 100 type of an effect. So you get much more intense suppression of the nervous system.
0: Do you think this happens as well? Because there's a lot of um, drugs and prescription types you know medicines where it always says you know right down the list you know don't take alcohol you shouldn't take alcohol and a lot of people like oh it shouldn't really be and it's something minor and then i suppose they're so used to kind of their conditioning themselves to ignoring those warnings when you get something like you've talked about where it's a serious warning that they kind of they don't pay attention
1: Adam, you you touched on such an important point here. You know we're so inundated with warnings, warnings mm-hmm. about everything, warnings that like you wouldn't need to give a monkey, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't take mgality if you're allergic to mgality. Yeah, no duh, right? So, <laughs> you know, we we get these, you know, like don't do this, don't do this, and it just kind of you know blends into the background yeah, chatter, it. right? Yeah. And and we're so you know just swamped with information nowadays you know you can't turn on your phone without getting 16 notifications and so yeah i think i think that that actually does have a lot to do with the prevalence of patients making that mistake you know what the data shows is people who have a history of alcohol problems who are on long-term opioids they're 500 percent more likely to overdose five times more likely to overdose uh, they're also much more expensive to care for in terms of all-cause healthcare costs. They're much more likely to get in traffic accidents and have other accidents where they're harming other people, right? So this is a major unmet medical need because the prescribing docs, the, you know, when you write that opioid prescription, really the best thing you can do is warn the patient. There, they, there are no effective mechanisms for the prescribers to actually prevent the patients from making that all too often deadly mistake of yeah. combining so, I mean, alcohol with it.
0: I, I don't know. The percentage. So there's a, a, a huge amount of people who are on long-term opioid prescriptions then, or, and so, yeah. cause they're on long-term they're they think, well, I'm going to drink at some point kind of scenario or, and, and you mentioned before, like you said, 2020 was the worst year ever.
1: <laughs> worst ever, almost 70,000 opioid overdose deaths last year. Higher, higher than it's ever been in the crisis, about a 40% increase versus prior years. Uh, and that that was, we believe that that was compounded a lot by the COVID pandemic and and to some degree restriction of access to care. Yep. But also, you know, when, when shit hits the fan and life gets really stressful, you know, a lot of us, a lot of people resort to substances to kind of mitigate that anxiety, that stress, that pain. And you know opioids are are kind of a go to for a lot of people to to you know achieve that or to try to achieve that. Uh, but yeah, we're we're at an all time high in terms of the the impact. It's also you know in terms of you know beyond the cost of life, the economic impact of the crisis was pegged at over a trillion dollars a year just in the U.S you overdose and don't die, right? So yeah. we talk a lot about the fatalities, but yeah. there's 10, plus, 10 times plus more non-fatal opioid yeah. overdoses that still come with a very considerable cost, right? So, so, you know, this was a study from earlier this year, it came yeah. out in January. The, the year they looked at was I think 2017 because we're always dealing with yeah. older data, but yeah, it was like $1.02 trillion. Yeah, on. imagine what it
0: was for 2020 then as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> let me take a step back you know what we're doing at SafeRx. it's not a silver bullet right mm. you know there's there's no vaccine coming for the opioid crisis this is a, a multi-dimensional problem it's deeply entrenched it's complex it's going to take a multi-dimensional solution to get through it right but what we have done is we've developed a solution to this one major dimension of the crisis which according to the CDC, you know, who's like gold standard for epidemiology, right? Like how many people are dying from what it's 22.1% of fatal prescription opioid overdoses occur because the patients make this all too common mistake of drinking with the medication.
0: And I just want to touch on uh, your origins. Where are you originally from? Like, where are you speaking to me from today? And like, obviously you're a doctor, so you got into that line of work, but how do you get into this specific line of work? What drew you to that?
1: yeah all right that's a that's a great question uh i will i'll try to it's
0: a, lot. Uh, a straight <laughs> yes, line because yeah. I've, I've been
1: kind of all over the map but uh I was born in the bronx new york grew up in new york new jersey uh moved down to florida as a teenager did all my schooling down at university of florida uh, i'm a neurologist neuroscientist by training early in life um this was very early days of the opioid crisis uh year 2000 or i guess it was 2001 that she died but i I lost a a very dearly loved friend to uh, a prescription opioid overdose she was had an ankle injury uh she went to a new year's eve party this is december 31st 2000 had a few drinks
0: i'm gonna say this makes it a lot more realistic that i think a lot of people including myself could imagine doing something like this yeah Yeah.
1: and i mean this this woman was uh, I refer to her as like a Disney princess. I, I mean, she was just buoyant personality, beautiful voice. Like I used to do the high school plays. We were in the plays together. She'd like I couldn't sing, but she would fix it for me. No, I mean she's just like anywhere she went, she was just this this beautiful uplifting force and. You know, I think I was I was naive back then, you know, drug overdoses, yeah, that's something that happens. to are kind of like, you know, rock stars, right? Or mm-hmm. like society's black sheep or whatever. And that would never happen to, to someone like Andy. It was an eye opener. But, you know, she she proved to be a canary in the coal mine. This again, this was like, you know, the, the opioid crisis, quote unquote, began ninety nine, two thousand. So this was again, this is very early days uh and so it's it's you know it's always been something i carried close to my heart yeah. um how old was she like to do
0: 20 or so she,
1: yep she was 20 years old she's 20 years old right about to, oh, yeah. to move into you know the most blossoming phase of her life uh where she was snuffed out um but so anyway uh moving forward you know it's something i always kind of carried close to me uh uh, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't go into addiction as a specialty. I went to, into neurology. My first year in clinical practice, uh, we would share a call. I was uh, in a group practice, and there was four of us, and we would take a week each of, of call where you're long days. I mean, you're in clinic all day. You're covering two hospitals. And so, you know, it gets pretty hairy, and you get very little sleep, and by, like, the third or fourth day, you're kind of, like, you know, really strung out. So I think this is, like, you know, halfway into the week, Two o'clock in the morning, the pager goes off, it's the emergency department, and uh, hey, this guy's got a really bad headache. So, you know, you don't usually wake up the on-call neurologist at two in the morning for a headache unless you're really scared about what this is, right? So there was just something off about this presentation. I knew the guy, I I knew he was, uh, you know, very competent. Doc is like, all right, yeah. let me peel myself out of bed, let me come in and see. So it's a little salty about the call, but, you know, go, put the patient's need first, right? So you go in. And I could tell really quickly, you know, examine him, take a brief history. It's not, it doesn't have a focal exam. This isn't going to be like a stroke or a brain bleed or something serious. Right. And take a little bit more of the history. Ah, well, here's the answer. So it turns out that this is a gentleman who had a history of alcoholism. Uh, He had been sober for years, like three years or something like that, had a psychological trauma and kind of had a relapse. Right. And so he was drinking that night about midnight, he started to feel really guilty about having fallen off the wagon or gotten back on the way or whatever, resuming drinking. And uh, then he remembered, oh, I have this old medicine. So he had been prescribed this drug called Antabuse. It's a old med that was around since like the 1950s. uh, And it was intended to treat patients with alcoholism. And it's something that if you take it every day, it interferes with the the breakdown of alcohol like as it's metabolized and mm-hmm. and so you get if you drink while it's in your system you get this very quick increase of this really toxic intermediate acid aldehyde basically yeah. the stuff that hangovers are made of and, and it induces this really noxious constellation of effects like yeah. nausea vomiting pounding headache right so that's that was what brought him in was this pounding headache and dizziness uh, so, you know, OK, so that's that's it. You, you took disulfiram and you had a blood alcohol level of like 0.24 yep. at the time. So it immediately induced this full constellation of effects. And, and that's what brought him in. So, OK, great. We solved it. You know, even though this med has been around for so long it's very infrequently used, right? Yeah. Because you need a really motivated patient to take it, right? Because yeah. they realize very quickly, <laughs> like, uh, so I can drink if I just don't take that drug that yeah. you prescribe. <laughs> yeah. you know, like any medicine, it only life. works if you take it, right? So yeah. uh, so never really caught on clinically, and, and I had never seen it. So I was like, ah, oh, cool. I got to see a disulfiram nice alcohol reaction, you know? And I am go down, right, I'm typing up my consult note, and as I'm doing it, dink, the little New information thing goes off, and boom, is your intox screen comes in. You know, anytime somebody comes into the emergency department, you don't know what's going on, you're scared, yeah. you kind of screen them for drugs, and it pops positive for opioids. And in that moment, I just, you know, it was this eureka kind of lightning bolt oh my God this could be the answer to this major, totally unaddressed dimension of the opioid crisis right now that's killing 25% of, you know, that's accounting for 25% of the prescription deaths. We could combine disulfurum with whatever the prescription opioid of choice is, and in so doing, give the patient a very straightforward choice. Look, if you've got a severe pain condition that requires an opioid, by all means, take the medication. Mm. But take it as prescribed by your doctor, without alcohol, or you're going to get really sick really quick. Oh, a good motivator. Listen.
0: Yeah, save some lives. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And so yeah, and if if you'd rather drink than take your opioid, okay, do that. And you know, yeah. probably the you don't, don't need go to together. be on an opioid yeah, if that's yeah. the case, right? which is another problem we won't go into that but mm. there you know there is definitely another element of this crisis is that opioids are are widely overprescribed mm.
0: this episode is sponsored by the talk accelerator increase your influence income and impact get this completely free training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and you can jump over talk x c e l E-R-A-T-O-R.com. Forward slash masterclass really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk.
1: That opioids are, are widely overprescribed.
0: Mm. Why do you think that is? Is that is that a money thing? As in like people prescribing them because they get kickbacks and pay, or is is it people more like, hey, they want to take them just uh yeah, you know, for the easy way? Or-
1: so, great question. And you know, it's there's probably a lot of dimensions to that answer, but one that you can point to definitively is the the diabolical influence that big pharma, primarily Purdue Pharma had. I I can tell you in my second year of medical school, okay, we had a guy come in, a pain specialist. He was there to give us a special lecture. He was on the Purdue Educational Foundation grant or something like that. Mm This guy had the nerve to stand up there in front of 120 budding physicians and say, if you have a patient with severe pain, they have a legitimate indication for an opioid, there's less than a 1% chance that that person will ever become addicted to opioids or have any problems with opioids. Okay, I mean, like how nefarious, you've got that, and that, that's totally untrue, by the yeah. way. like, that's this is not my area you know, of expertise. expertise, and I'm right. thinking, I see, that you're, sounds you're, you're, a little I bit off. <laughs> uh, doesn't seem right, yeah, well, it's not. It's definitely not even close. And you know, they, they even had, if you were an emergency department, and you had somebody that came in and said that they had some pain, if you didn't then administer this like visual analog scale of, you know, like zero to ten. How bad is your pain? Mm. If that person said five or more, just said "Eh, it's a five and you didn't offer them an opioid, you got less reimbursement and your hospital got reduced scores for patient care.
0: Oh, okay, like man.
1: that's that on a policy level, even they were able yeah, to systemize. Yeah, that's not good. So, you know, obviously, the pendulum has swings back and forth in medicine all the time. And, you know, now we're aware of this issue, but it just it created such a profound substrate of addiction and overuse and overprescription. And those numbers have been cut back a bit over the last five years or so. But Mm. we're still I mean, there's still over 150 million opioid prescriptions written every year just in this country.
0: Whoa.
1: yeah, it's enough for for one out of almost every two people Uh, get back to the story, you know, late nights, whatever. I was so just pumped after like coming up with this idea. Wrote the provisional patent that night, you know, on like no sleep and submitted it and then, you know, went for the full one. And so we got these these products patented, both the, the method and the chemical composition of matter. Uh, and at the time I was I was in practice. Um, we, we got the second patent, the the much more uh, important one, the, the composition of matter patent. Um, right at around the beginning of COVID, I, I got the call from the attorney. The examiner is going to allow it. And at about that time, my group had hired a new CEO and uh, we did not get along. Uh, So I I, I won't mention the name of the group or the name of the guy, but uh, we basically, you know, we were, I mean, I put a premium on my patients' health and and prioritizing their needs, right? And so, you know, when it came down to, all right, COVID is widespread in Monterey County, I was living out in California at the Mm -hmm. time. widespread you know this is the the community prevalence etc so i i went to you know shifting all of the visits as much as possible to virtual you know online like what we're doing now because you know a lot of them get sometimes especially in neurology you got to lay hands on the patient you got to feel their muscles, and so those patients you still bring them in if you need to but especially for somebody who's coming for a, quote unquote, well patient visit. (laughs) You're going to you're going to bring them into a clinic that has (laughs) sick people and potentially expose them to covid versus. And so so he tried to get everybody to switch to in-person visits. I said, Mark, why would we do that? That's going to put our patients at risk. He said, and without hesitation, we can't bill as much for a virtual visit. Mm. We can't bill as much. I can't get as much money from that person's insurance company, so we're gonna bring them in and expose them Risk to a potentially no, deadly ridiculous. virus so that we can get a few more dollars. I and can see I just, why you
0: might have fallen out with this guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, so I said no, and then I got very vocal about it, and then I sort of you know, had a following of other docs in the practice that were like, yeah, what, why would we do that? And so you know, we had a lot of beef. And then, you know, right around that time was when, you know, we got the, the award for the, uh, we had the second patent issue for the chemical composition. And I said, you know what, this is one of those confluence, right? Like just kind of like coming up with the idea was a confluence of, of heartbreak and serendipity, right? The heartbreak yeah. from Andy dying, the serendipity of seeing that case at three in the morning and, and the guys on opiates same sort of thing you know heartbreak i'm like i've got this really successful practice you know people in the community love me my patients love me but now i've got beef with the ceo never a good thing in a company and uh and serendipity you know so uh, the patent comes through and so that was you know i was like listen i'm just gonna listen to the whispers right the universe is telling me something and so that week started safe rx pharmaceuticals and told mc just leave it to his initials uh you know i think i'm gonna go a separate way here and uh and so yeah that was i always ask the awakening
0: moment and you know being a doctor and stuff and then is that when you felt like you more into an entrepreneurial type pursuit in that time and that that moment because that's obviously a completely different mindset and you know scary when you've been in a you know a consistent (laughs) consistent wage yeah job yeah that's also
1: like kind of a source of growth right like getting back to like awaken your alpha when is it really most awake it's not when you're like out here on the asymptote of the learning scale you know like the most exciting fruitful time at least for me yeah is when you're on that really steep part of the learning curve you're enmeshed in something new it's like every week you're learning new skills and and expanding your horizons so, you know, it has been stressful. And, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a family man, and, you know, I got I to gotta provide
0: for my family. And so I like, didn't ask. Yeah. How many, how many kids you got? Just one. Just one.
1: How uh, old? He, he's going, well, he's almost four, but he's, he's <laughs> I mean, the kid knows more about like most medical systems in your body <laughs> than, than most of my friends from, yeah. from medical school.
0: I got two, I got <laughs> an eight and a 10 year old. But, yes. Yeah nice yeah so
1: you yeah so you know like if you were to walk away from a successful podcast and you know what's paying the bills and putting those kids through school you know is definitely stressful yeah but you know we were fortunately uh yeah, we were in a position where where i could i could afford to to not take a paycheck for a little while and, yeah. and full-time jump so how's
0: this how's this last year of entrepreneurial endeavors been what's you know some of the big challenges or successes or wins or yeah we can talk a little bit yeah, about yeah, that I'm Yeah. am curious
1: uh, you know, fundraising is always like tip of the iceberg, right? So that's that's my main focus at all times right now because unless you get the funds to get the drugs developed, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, the idea doesn't do anything unless you can make it materialize. So I thought that it was the, the 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 bank accounts were gonna open and the money was gonna rain down from the sky because this is like such a good idea and everybody who hears it is like well, wow, that's a really good idea. And oh, my gosh, this is already patented. And oh, my gosh, there's no other direct competition. Nothing else does this. So, you know, like the, it's to me, it's so easy because it's one of those really rare opportunities to like do well and do good, you know, yeah. like have uh, get a huge financial return. And also, oh, wow, I made society better and I help prevent people from dying. Uh, it's you know, it's tricky, though, because, you know, once you get into the behind the curtains and kind of like how the sausage is made, it's like. Well, a lot of the the bigger groups, the VCs, the investment banking, it's like, ooh, opioids. Eh, The optics, the optics of getting involved in an opioid company. And it's like, no, 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 but like we're we're a solution to this problem, right? We're not like we don't we do not want to create one more additional person on opioids, right? Yeah. What we're trying to do is the people who are already on a traditional opioid prescription that we know drink with their medication we want to get them transitioned to a safer version for yeah. them. So uh, it's, you know, it's been a lot harder, but, you know, it just has helped to kind of sharpen the sword and, and awaken the
0: alpha to Yeah, consistently. <laughs> I, I, so apart from obviously, you know, how everything sped up a little bit in uh, the last year when there's sort of vaccinations and working on the vaccines, Um, in my head, like when it comes to pharmaceuticals and things like, things take a long time as well would that be fair yeah
1: yeah, they they do but you know so that's that's another one of the the brilliant pieces here is that all of the active pharmaceutical ingredients in our platform of products are already fda approved for their respective indication right so like the the pathway that we need to go through so versus the you know nine to ten year path that is something that's a novel chemical entity Mm -hmm. needs to go through with with this it's more of like a two year to two and a half year process Again, you know, contrast the ten-year, hundred million to billion-dollar kind of requirements of capital and time to what we're facing, which is more of like a two and a half-year horizon. And we we believe we can get our first drug approved for five million dollars.
0: Good bang yeah. for your buck, is <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right, right.
1: And it's it's getting a life-saving solution onto the market in a, a much more expedited way.
0: We're going to start to close this off now with the alpha round, and I'd like to start off with is is there or has there been a particularly impactful book for you or just one you like to recommend
1: phantoms in the brain uh ramachandran just if you're you're into neurology neuroscience it's i mean you're talking to a huge neuro geek here right so (laughs) most of my favorite books have to do with that or uh, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat by Oliver Sacks. Uh, <laughs> really, any, anything by Oliver Sacks, one of the greatest minds in, in neurology and neuroscience ever. Uh, it was a shame. We lost him a few years
0: ago. You
1: know, really fantastic books, yeah. if anybody's interested.
0: Awesome. And is there a particular sort of favorite quote or one that inspires you?
1: Act only on that maxim through which you can will universal law. But basically, it's the golden rule, right? Like. Yeah. Do unto others. I mean, I, if there's one thing that people could like just keep in mind that would make the world a better place, it's that, you know, like do things that treat people the way you would want to be treated. Right. And not just in direct interactions, but treat the earth the way you think it should be treated. Right.
0: And in terms of resources or just advice around, you know, you obviously are a doctor and you, you see a lot of things and mistakes people are making when it comes to taking prescription drugs. Is there any advice, resources you can share with us?
1: A major uh, mitigator of the crisis and something that can, you know, has been shown to be able to to prevent death is the is the uh, what's known as um, opioid agonist therapy. So people who are like addicted to heroin uh, or to illicit fentanyl, that sort of thing. Um, There are two medications, buprenorphine and methadone which can really save lives, too. I mean, they're still opioids, but they have much less of a, a risk of overdose. They're, you know, quote unquote, a lot safer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and access to that was restricted a bit, because well, for buprenorphine anyway, because they were, you know, in the past, it was a, you, as a doc, you would have to go take a like a 20 hour course on getting approved to prescribe this drug, and, you know, just we're all busy, right? Yeah. So like nobody's mm-hmm. taking 20 hours out of their week to go do a course. And so uh, one of the good moves by the Biden administration, and actually the Trump administration had done this as well, Biden extended it, was was deferring that requirement, right? So, So now more docs can prescribe buprenorphine and help to get patients off of those more hazardous medications.
0: Okay. And if people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way to connect with you?
1: You can email me directly at M Presti, M P R E S T I at safarxpharmaceuticals.com. Uh, you can go to uh, uh if you're if you're interested in investing. Uh, if this makes sense to you, if you want to learn more about uh, an investment opportunity, we did recently open what's known as a crowdfunding campaign. We look at this as as an option to you know both do well and do good. You know it's one of those rare investment opportunities that there's there's a huge potential for a financial return but there's also a potential for a huge societal impact yeah. and and so uh, if you're interested in learning more about that I'd encourage all of your listeners to go to uh rx all one word .com
0: awesome well michael it's been an absolute pleasure today thank you so much for your time uh,
1: yeah thank you Adam. Yeah, great
0: great call the awaken your alpha podcast tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx Talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com forward slash masterclass and you can get this completely free training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.